Today we are kicking off a new sermon series called Fisher of Men, looking at the life of the Apostle Peter, the disciple that is written about more than any other disciple in the four gospel accounts. This is going to take us a couple months to get through. I'm super excited about it. There's an incredible uh, treasure of information here about Peter and his interactions with Jesus, but also we get to see the gospel come to bear in his life as he sees Jesus up close and personal. We're going to cover the trajectory of his life and the ups and downs that, that we know so much about. We're going to see his humanity. We're going to see his redemption. And we're going to see so much about Jesus through his eyes. And what we know is that Jesus tells us if we have seen Jesus, we have seen the Father. If we get to know Jesus better, we get to know the Father better. So our prayer is that over the next couple of months, we will really get to know Peter, really get to know Jesus and understand the love of the Father that is uh, for us, that is the gospel. Peter is a very famous disciple. He was probably born around the same time as Jesus, somewhere around, you know, the, the, the you know, 1 BC, somewhere around there. He was from uh, a city called Bethsaida, which is actually where Philip and Nathaniel, two other disciples of Jesus, were from. He is a fisherman, and he is partners with James and John, which we'll see today in Luke chapter 5. We can discern that he's probably the older brother of the apostle Andrew, one of Jesus' disciples. We know that Simon Peter was married. He lived in the city of Capernaum, uh, which was another village, another fishing village on the coast of the northern coast of the Sea of Galilee. And you've probably heard, read, seen lots of different things about Peter. You know, he's very famous for walking on water with Jesus and sinking because he didn't have enough faith, which we'll look at later. He's famous for his denials of Jesus when Jesus is being persecuted and going to the cross. He's known for being kind of a loudmouth. The Catholic Church says that there's a lineage that goes all the way back to Peter being the first pope. You know, we know that he is foundational in forming the church at Jerusalem, involved in the church at Antioch, involved at the church at Rome. His name was Simon. Sometimes he goes by Simon Peter. Sometimes he goes by Cephas, these three different names. How did this man, Simon, actually become Peter, fisher of men? How did this common man in first century Israel become the founding leader of the early church? How did he end up being martyred, tradition tells us. Well, if you read the Gospels, you see that Matthew and Mark, their account of Jesus becoming, I mean, uh, Peter becoming a disciple is actually pretty simplistic. It's like Jesus sees Simon and says, follow me. And Simon says, okay, and puts down his nets and gives up his living and starts following Jesus. It covers like two sentences in Matthew and Mark. There's got to be more to it, right? Like, there has to be more going on than that. And what we learn, and we read the gospel accounts, all four of them, is that Simon Peter traveled with Jesus for three years. There's a lot more that we need to jump into. This journey with Jesus changed him and took him from being Simon the fisher to being Peter the fisherman and founder of the early church, foundational leader in the early church. This journey with Jesus absolutely changed him. Are you journeying with Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Or is he a club you belong to on Sunday mornings? Is he a box that you check in the religious category and say, I've got that covered? 
Friends, even this morning, Jesus still calls us to follow him. Even today, to you and to me, he's saying, follow me. Journey with me. Day by day, moment by moment, into the unknown of the future. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what the coming months and years hold. But I know that Jesus is there already, beckoning us forward, saying, come, follow me. You can trust me. And truly journeying with Jesus, truly walking with him day by day, believing that he is the Lord, that he is God, leads us to be renamed and repurposed. It completely changes us and changes the trajectory of our lives. We see this in the life of Simon. We see this in the life of Simon Peter as he becomes known. So how did, how did this all happen? What was the first places that we see Simon and his involvement with Jesus? Well, it actually begins with his brother, Andrew. This is the more to the story that I was talking about. Andrew is probably Simon's younger brother. They're in this fishing business together, and, and Andrew starts paying attention to John the Baptist. Now, if you remember, John was this wild, prophetic, pastoral kind of guy who's baptizing people at the Jordan River uh, on the other side by Bethany. And, and Andrew, Peter's younger brother, starts following John the Baptist, starts kind of paying attention to him and, and becoming a, a, a disciple of his and listening to him. And, and one day he's there as John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan, calling for a repentance of sins, and, and in walks Jesus to the Jordan River. And John the Baptist baptizes him. And for all to hear, he says, Behold, this Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's saying, this Jesus is the Messiah that you've been waiting for, the one who's going to come and rescue Israel. And, and Andrew is blown away. He's been following John the Baptist, but now he's like, I'm going to follow this guy. This is the Messiah. And he runs and he gets his older brother, Simon, and he says, you've got to come meet this guy. John, John told us this is, the, this is the, the, the Messiah. This is the Lamb of God. This is who we've been waiting for, Simon. Come and meet him. And so Simon goes to meet Jesus. Now, what you need to know is that the name Simon is incredibly common. Like if you went back and you were able to find, you know, a baby naming magazine from first century Israel, they'd be like, Simon was the number one name for boys back then. Very, very common. So Simon with the common name goes and meets Jesus. And in what I believe to be their first interaction, Jesus meets him and he renames him. He says, Simon, Simon, son of John, you are Kephas. You are rock. In Aramaic, it's Kephas. And later, when they translate into Greek, it becomes Peter. He says, Simon, son of John, you are now new name. You are given a new name. Rock. Stone. And Peter, Simon is probably like, what? What just happened? Who are you? Why are you giving me a new name? Why are you calling me Rock? What is going on? When I was in high school, I had a good friend and I had never really hung out with his family too much. And one day I went over to, to meet his family and his sister's there, she was older. And, and back then uh, I had bigger hair. My hair, when it gets longer, it actually just gets fuller and more clown-like and bigger, kind of curly. And my hair was huge back then in high school. And I, I go to my friend's house and I meet his sister. And she looks at me and she says, 
You got a mop head. Your, your head's like a mop. And it stuck. My name became Mophead from then on with their family. They still kind of call me this now and then. His mom called me this. His dad called me this. And it was kind of endearing. To their family, I was Mophead. And it became a meaningful thing for me. So here Simon meets Jesus. And Jesus says, you are now rock. You are now Kephas. You are now Peter. And he probably went home somewhat confused bewildered at the Messiah claims that his brother is telling him about. But what we see is that Jesus takes this common man with a very common name and renames him. A name that he will grow into, a name that will become very near and dear to him and to his family and to the early church and to you and I even today. So what we see is that Jesus moves on from His baptism moves on from meeting Peter and giving him this new name and then goes into the village of Capernaum, which is Simon Peter's hometown. And Jesus teaches in the synagogue there one day. This would be like if Jesus came and taught in a local church service. And during this church service, this synagogue service, he's teaching like one who has authority. He's teaching with passion. He's teaching with leadership. And it's It's unbelievable to the people. And then we see that Jesus has this interaction with a demon-possessed man. And Jesus drives the demon out of the man and completely heals him and restores his sanity. And then afterwards, he's invited over to Simon's home. Now, I assume that probably going home for lunch or going home for dinner and and Andrew probably invited him. It's like super excited. Like, this is the guy. This is the Lamb of God. Come home to our house. And they go home and... It's Simon's home, which kind of makes us think he's the older brother. Simon is married. His mother-in-law lives there. Andrew lives there. And they go home, and when they get there, Simon's mother-in-law is very ill. We don't know if she'd been ill prior to this or maybe just this day, but she's very ill, so ill that she can't care for her guests. And they ask Jesus, will you heal her? And Jesus heals her, and immediately the fever leaves her, the text says, and she gets up and she waits on them, and she cares for them. So Simon hears that this is the Messiah, gets renamed by him, sees him preaching in the synagogue, sees him heal the demon-possessed man, sees him heal his very own mother-in-law in his home. I can imagine that his brain is just exploding at this point, saying, what is going on? This is vastly different than anything I've ever experienced. And what we see is that their next interaction is what Matthew and Mark write about in such short fashion. Luke actually gives us the long version of the experience. If you have a copy of the scriptures, you can turn to Luke chapter 5. But in this text, Luke tells us about this interaction along the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 5 verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, 
We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Let's just pause there. Simon, with the common name, fisherman of the common industry of the day in Capernaum, he has no aspirations of greatness. He's just trying to live his real life in his real town with his real mother-in-law in his real home, paying real taxes to a real Roman empire that is subjugating him. He's just living his normal life. He has just fished all night. He's tired. They didn't catch anything. He doesn't need to go back out. Now, if you don't know about fishing, it's really good at night, at sunrise and at sunset, and sometimes even overnight. Where several years ago, we went to a family reunion with my wife's family out on Long Island, all the way out at the end at Montauk. And it was during the season when the striped bass are really coming in close to shore and you can catch them like crazy. And so there was this one night where we went out, it was a full moon, the striped bass were running, we went out under the lighthouse out at the end of Long Island and it was beautiful. Every cast we were catching fish. We were casting out into the breakers, couldn't even see where it was going and boom, it was an immediate, it was an immediate catch of these giant fish. It was one of the greatest nights of my life. It was so much fun. Well. This is not what Simon has experienced. He's had a miserable night fishing. The sun has come up, he's tired. It's time to dry the nets out, get them ready for the next night of fishing and go home, get some breakfast and be done for the day. But here Jesus is, right? Jesus is standing on the shoreline. Now imagine that you are one of the people who's there listening to Jesus. You've heard these stories about him. Here he is preaching to you. It's the crowd is kind of pushing in on him. So he gets in one of the boats and he, Simon's boat and he pushes out a little bit from shore and he sits down and he's just preaching to them and he's teaching to them and you can imagine you're watching Jesus do this you're watching Simon mending his nets over there you see James and John a little bit further down the beach the sun is starting to come up it's getting warm the heat of the day is getting ready to come on Jesus finishes blesses the people they start to wander off you're standing there talking to your friend and you hear Jesus say to Simon hey Simon let's go fishing put out into deeper water Simon's like, master. Translated, this means rabbi. He knows he's a rabbi. He's met him before. He's seen the, the magical things that he's done. And he says, rabbi, listen, I, I, I really don't feel like doing that. We've, we went out all night. I'm the fisherman. You're the rabbi. You stick to the religious stuff. I'll stick to the real life fishing things. You go your way. I'll go mine. Just get out of my boat. But something catches him. Maybe he remembers seeing his mother-in-law get up off the bed healed. Maybe he saw that demon-possessed guy in his right mind. And now Jesus is standing there with a grin on his face saying, let's go out into deeper water. And he says, okay, Rabbi, fine, we'll go. Now, see what I see this as, I see this as, as Simon saying, you know what, I respect you enough. You're a good teacher. You seem to be a good guy, but he's still arguing a little bit, right? He's still saying, I've got this under control. Jesus, you're not trustworthy enough to handle the real things of life. My real job, my real boat, my real lack of fish that I caught last night, the real taxes that I have to pay to Rome. Like, I got it. But, but like I said, something catches him. And he says, okay, I'll trust you enough to put out in the deeper water. So pick up with, pick up with me in, in Luke 5 again. So Luke, Luke 5, verse 6. So they, they put out from shore and it says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. 
And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Can you imagine if you're still standing on the shore watching this happen? You know loudmouth Peter. You know loudmouth Simon. You've heard him before. You're listening to this Jesus guy. He tells them to go fishing, and now they're screaming and yelling for James and John to come and help them. The boats are, the nets are filling up with fish. This is an absolute miracle. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. You will be a fisher of men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. You see why I'm saying there's probably more to this story than Matthew and Mark cover. Like, I think, Pete, I think Simon and, and Jesus had had a few interactions, and then this final one was just like nailed it for Simon Peter. He was in. In this story, you see that Jesus has control over the natural world. Jesus has control over the real world, as Simon and probably you and I would have called it. And when, G and when Peter sees this, when he sees Jesus take control of the natural world and bring about this huge catch of fish, it's like nothing he's ever seen before, and it causes repentance to happen in, in Simon Peter. Peter sees the Messiah claims. He's heard them. He has seen Jesus heal his mother-in-law. He's seen him cast out the demon. He's seen this fish miracle, and he can't ignore it anymore. And it's somewhat terrifying. It's somewhat out of his control. Like everything he thought he controlled in the real world just evaporated and is now in the hands of this rabbi, Jesus. And like I said, it causes him to repent. This, this idea of repent really in the Greek means to change your mind, to think differently, to change directions and say, I used to go that way, now I'm going this way. I used to believe that, now I'm believing this. What Simon Peter is coming to realize is, I used to think I was God, now I realize you're God, Jesus. I used to think I was Lord of all things, I think you are. I'm sinful, I am a mess, I am broken, I have no control over anything, but you are your Lord. You are the leader of everything, you are the perfect one, you have all of this under your control. And it was terrifying to him. You see, realizing you don't have control and giving up control to Jesus is terrifying. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. I've got control over the real world. I've got control over you, and I want to repurpose you. Come and join me and be a fisher of people. Come and call men and women into the kingdom of God. Jesus is essentially saying, I can give you your job of fishing. I can handle that. I can handle your job as a tax collector, as, uh, as a fisherman, as a mechanic, as a horse salesman. Like, I, I can handle these things, Peter. I got it under, all under control, but I've got a deeper purpose for you. Follow me. Come journey with me. And here's the thing, friends. He doesn't just commission Peter. He doesn't just commission Simon and say, all right, go look for people. Go call them back to God. He says, walk with me. Follow me. See how I fish for people. The way that I sought you, I am seeking others. See how I love and serve you, and then you go and do likewise. I'm giving you a deeper purpose. 
a deeper meaning in life. So he takes this man, Simon, with a very common name, this man, Simon, with a very common job, and he renames him and he repurposes him to give him something much deeper and more meaningful. It reminds me a lot of what Paul says in uh, his letter to the Corinthians. He says, God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God uses the weak things to shame the strong. God uses the lowly things, the humble things, to bring down the status quo, the powerful, to change the world. Friends, this is meaningful for you and me today. Jesus has invited you and me to follow him. This morning he says, will you join me on the journey? Have you seen enough in your life now to realize that you're not in control? Have you seen enough in Jesus to say, okay, you're Lord, I'm not. Have you turned over your life to him and said, yes, you can handle my real life with my real relationships, with my real car problems, with my real job that I might be losing because of a pandemic. You can handle my real kids. You can handle my real you know, taxes that have to be paid. Do you believe this about Jesus? Do you believe that he has given you a new name, that he has called you son, that he's called you daughter of the most high God, and that even when you weren't looking for him, he came looking for you. Even when we were in our sin and our brokenness and leading our own lives and keeping everything under control, making our own name, he says, I've come for you. Will you follow me? Let me give you a new name and a new purpose. Are you still trying to make a name for yourself, though? Or do you believe that Jesus has come to give you a new name? Do you believe that Jesus has come to repurpose you? That he has called you a fisher of people? Someone who's supposed to go and find others and bring them into the net that is God's kingdom. So whether you are a pilot, whether you are a township worker, whether you are a student, whether you are a mom, a dad, single, married, rich, poor, good grades, bad grades, athletic, non-athletic, like great job, bad job, executive, blue collar, it doesn't matter. Jesus says, I have a bigger purpose for you that is much more meaningful than any of those things. Jesus wants you to journey with him and to fish for the lost like he is. Friends, maybe you're at home right now going, okay, I hear you, Jim. It's easy for you to say you're a pastor. You're in full-time ministry. Friends, I have not always been in full-time ministry. This is what God has called me to for this season, and I love it, but I have worked plenty of jobs that I have hated, that have been miserable, where I've tried to make a name for myself, where I've tried to move up the ladder. I worked at one place that I just hated it so much. I hated going there. I didn't like the people. I didn't like what I was doing. I was doing like uh, technical support over the phone, fixing people's faucets. Big deal. I wanted a deeper purpose than that. And I was asking God, get me another job, get me another job. And one day I felt like he said to me, you do have another job. You do have another purpose. It's to love those people at your job. It's to tell them about me. It's to help them see that they've been given a new name of daughter of God, son of God, that I am for them, that I love them, that I forgive them, that I want a relationship with them, and I want to repurpose them. And it radically changed going into work in the morning. Didn't make it always easier. Didn't always mean that I loved every minute of it. 
but it meant that I had a deeper purpose that sustained me through that. Friends, I'm not calling you to anything that I haven't experienced myself. Our, our person, Jesus, our purpose of Jesus is bigger. It's better. It's bigger and better than our purposes, our positions. It's bigger and better than, than our politics. This is, what, this is what enabled two sets of brothers, James and John, who seemed to be kind of mouthy, Peter and Andrew, who seemed to be kind of mouthy. It's, how it, it's what enabled them to be able to be together for three years under Jesus' leadership. It's what enabled Simon the, the, the fisherman from Capernaum to become friends with Matthew the tax collector who was hated by the people of Israel because their purpose was bigger. They were united by something deeper. The person and purpose of Jesus unite us, friends. Can I call us right now in the midst of what is an increasingly political season to be united by the person and purpose of Jesus? Can we talk about things like the pandemic, like the election, like school, like our jobs, without being so fired up about positions that we forget our purpose, that we forget our new names, that we are brothers and sisters in the family of God? Friends, we have been given something bigger. We've been given something more meaningful. We are a gospel-centered family on mission in the Nazareth area. We get to do this together because we are united under the gospel of Jesus. This is our new name as sons and daughters of God. This is our new purpose that unites us, even though we are radically diverse people, just like Simon and Matthew, James and John. We have a new purpose, a bigger purpose that's more important than all of those other things. There's secondary, third, fourth, way down the line issues compared to the purpose and our new names in Jesus. So friends, Today, I ask you, will you join Jesus on this journey? Will you see Jesus through the eyes that Peter ended up seeing him through, that he is the Lord? Will you turn from your old ways of believing that you're God and give control to Jesus and say, I trust you enough for today. Help me believe. Help me follow you. Will you surrender control of the boat of your life and say, all right, Jesus, you're the captain. You're in charge. I'll go where you tell me to put down the nets. Will you journey with Jesus and see that he calls you to be a fisher of men and women in your spheres of influence, that your purpose is so much bigger than your job, that you've been given a new name? Will you allow Jesus to rename you and to repurpose you for something far grander than you ever could have imagined? Would you pray with me?